We've traveled together for years. But at last, we're approaching our destination. Relativity, the final episodes. Beginning July 20th, 2020, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sending you somewhere. Together. Ooh, what, like a date? Anywhere you want. Anytime you want. One condition, it has to be amazing. Something happens in there. Something magical. Something evil. Venice! Am I thinking what I think I'm thinking? You need someone on the inside. Are you insane? You don't have another option. Said no, Amy. I will bend the heavens to save my race. Let's fill the sky with fire. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. This is episode number 207, where we will be reviewing The Vampires of Venice. I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to start back welcoming this week Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Hey, man. Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. I'm alive. <laughs> and how are you doing, sir? I can't complain. I'm glad to be back talking Doctor Who with the two of you. So what's been going on with you? Did you have a good week? Uh, it's been okay. I mean, good, I don't know, but it's been steady, I would say. <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing noteworthy going on. Maybe steady and nothing noteworthy is the best we can hope for right now, maybe. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I heard another voice inside my head, and that was none other than... Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I'm with Clarence. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on because, you know, but um, here we are. Well, since we are, I have a question for you that's right mm. in the vein or in along the lines of what we're saying. Oh, don't say vein when we're doing Vampires of Venice. Uh, hey, may, maybe okay. that right. was the right vein uh. per se. But do you guys get the feeling, and Lee, I know you normally work from home so this mm -hmm. paradigm shift may not be as much of a shift to you as it is maybe to clarence and i so maybe this is more of a clarence question but still <laughs> to the both of you mm -hmm. are you losing concept of what day it is or feel like the days are just like flying by yeah yes to both yeah cool so i mean uh, it, it's it, not just you it's not just yeah. me no. Yeah, I, I, I think I've heard several people make the joke, uh, wait a minute, what day is it? Oh, yeah, it's November, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But you know what the good thing is, is, you know, putting it on a positive spin, that just <laughs> means that we have more wibbly wobbly, what, no, no idea what day way it, it is. <laughs> I guess to, that's good. <laughs> to, to watch more Doctor Who. So, yeah. But we don't have any news this week, but what we do have is some more feedback. You flew into the wild and fire. Oh, Dalekon. And I will just go ahead and say the first piece of feedback I will not read because it is quite long. It is quite well thought out. It is from our friend Ian Williams. He has a theory on the timeless child. And I encourage anyone who is listening, if you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash discussing who. There is a post that um, Ian has put on our page that gives a very interesting theory to the timeless child. And mm. for anyone who's not seen series 12, that's another reason I don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil series 12, but I really enjoyed reading this, and and I'll say again, it is so very well thought out. I have not read that, so I, I need to be one of the people who goes to do that. Awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah, what a tease. <laughs> I know. And I'm telling you, it is extremely, I know I, I'm saying it again, but it is so well thought out and I enjoyed reading it. But what I also enjoyed reading and for anyone listening to us on Apple Podcast, if you would like for us to re- read your five star review on the show, all you need to do is, of course, subscribe to the show and then leave us a five star review and we will <laughs> read it on the show. So this yeah. next one we received after we recorded our last episode last week. We received this late that Tuesday night and it says, These guys are respectful and give a very detailed and thought-provoking analysis for every episode they review. And the Twitter handle, excuse me, the Apple podcast handle, I cannot pronounce and I don't want to mess it up. So I'm just going to spell it out. It is L-I-C-K-D-A-N-D-Y-K-D. So again, I'm not going to know how to pronounce it, but I will just say thank you. No kidding. When this person says respectful, do you suppose they mean of each other? I think I'm respectful to the two of you. At least I hope so. Oh, man. Uh, well, I lost all respect when you started talking about that darn recorder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not the one who's ganged up on every week with <laughs> with with comments about my recorder and all that good stuff. Poor you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, but seriously, but seriously, <laughs> no, that is that is lovely to hear because I I do like to think that uh, one of the ways that we can. Uh, I don't know, uh, in better the franchise or whatever that we can be uh, good uh, fans of the show is to is to hear other people's opinions and say, eh, I, I don't that's not how I experience that. But, yeah, uh, that's another way to experience it. Yeah, okay. right. Very well said. Yeah, uh, you, you but you've hinted and I, I, I'm not I don't have a clear mental picture yet of, of what uh, what you're talking about. But uh, you've hinted, for example, Kyle, that uh, you and I are probably going to end up on opposite sides of the fence about stuff as we go along through the Matt Smith era. And, uh, you know, I, that's that's going to be interesting. That so, is going to be interesting uh, because I will uh, go ahead and say I have not asked you where your fence climbing happens because yeah. I want to find it out organically. Yeah. Well, so, me too. I really don't know. So, Yeah. For example, I distinctly remember not enjoying the Vampires of Venice. And now I'm trying to figure out where the heck did that come from? Interesting. Interesting. But but I'm jumping ahead. Well, before you jump ahead. I don't want to skip the spoiler. Well, no, 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 no. I actually have more feedback, believe it or not. Oh, good. Oh, cool. So this next feedback comes from someone who, if you two keep ganging up on me, I'm just going to say, Nicole, come back. But it is from Nicole, and she is talking about the 11th hour, and she says in her feedback, I just wanted to say that I personally really love that Amy, from the get-go, at least as an adult, was a woman who was extremely confident in her sexuality and, for the most part, was not demonized for that. I find that extremely rare to see on TV, and I personally think it's important to show young women and teens this sort of thing. And I'm, I'm thinking she's referring, of course, to the outfit in the kissogram that she was in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She, w- she wouldn't have heard yet uh, our, uh, our discussion about the end of Flesh and Stone. Right. Yeah, because so, that yeah. hadn't quite come out yet as of this right. recording. So, and I'm still thinking about that. So, yeah. So. Which which I think we will get into when we get into this, because I had some further thoughts on that. Yeah. So before we get into our spoiler warning, my question to you guys is, do you have anything else you'd like to bring up before we get started? I really don't. I don't have any news that I can remember or anything like, oh, well, yeah, I guess if we're going to go talk about Vampires of Venice, maybe maybe now is the time to backtrack a little bit, because I remembered suddenly this week that in talking about Flesh and Stone, we neglected to talk about the doctor's jacket. Oh, but if you don't mind, let's hold off that because you're going to say that it's a spoiler. No, no. Oh, the, well, tell me what you mean about the jacket, because if what I mean is that it right now. 
what it looks like to us is a continuity error. Yes. And I will go to my grave insisting that it is a continuity error. But yeah, later we'll talk about that. But but yeah, the, the, the angels do take his jacket from him. And then later on, he's got it again. And that's the kind of thing that happens on TV shows and movies all the time. But, you know, just worth calling out. But it, but it came to my attention because uh, I was reading uh, comments uh, online about Vampires of Venice, and somebody pointed out that he's, of course, they said, wearing a blue bow tie because last week he was wearing a red one. And he always wears a red one when he's going into the future and a blue one when he's going into the past. What? Yeah. How could I and never? <sighs> that's what I said was – We've never noticed that. Now I know that the opening ti- that the the ninth and tenth doctor's titles had the TARDIS going one way and and it was red and then it would go the other way it was blue. Uh, not the titles, but the effect that when he went into the past it was the vortex was blue. Are you serious? I did it, not know yeah, that. Yeah, and when it goes in the future, the vortex is red. Oh, what? that is so. <laughs> yeah, you're breaking so, my brain. Easter egg. Well, yeah. And, but the costume thing has escaped my notice, and there there are probably those people listening to this right now going, "Oh come on, you never noticed that?" Because uh, uh, David Tennant, uh, the Tenth Doctor, has an equivalent of it too, and I think it's his. Is it his necktie as well? But, I was just to say, are you going to say that he wears a blue suit in the past and a brown suit in the present, or vice versa? It, it may be as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, that is like breaking my brain. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, that is just like serious. I can't even. But I guess that would only applied with the tweed jacket because I think it was always a purple tie when his wardrobe changes to the final wardrobe that he had. Perhaps. We shall see. We shall yeah. see. Mm-hmm. That uh, My brain's still broken, by the way. But just yeah. That's, FYI. It's fun, though, isn't it? Yes, it is fun. But you know what's also fun? The spoiler warning? Yes. So, if you have not seen The Vampires of Venice, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 All righty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Vampires of Venice. This is the sixth episode of the 2010 series of Doctor Who, originally airing on the 8th of May 2010. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, and was joined again by Arthur Darville as Rory Williams, also known as the future Mr. Pond. So, some review. And Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Some review. What did you think of this episode? I very much enjoyed it. I will say it wasn't one of my favorites, uh, but it was very enjoyable. A lot of good nuggets in there. I wasn't really happy with how it ended, although it was, you know, huge thing that they tried to do i don't think they pulled it off we'll talk about it but overall i thought it was okay what about you guys okay lee i as i've already said i really enjoyed this uh at least much much more than i remembered enjoying it i'm not sure i have revisited it since uh, the broadcast so it's been a long time since i've seen this i'm i'm a different person but i i enjoyed the the byplay between uh uh, Rory, the doctor and Amy, and it promises of, of better things of more things to come. So a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, of course, and maybe this is skipping ahead, but isn't it fun to get a story about people quarantining because there's a virus. Yes. The yes. plague, the plague. <laughs> yes. So for me, I, I'm going to agree that this is not one that I revisit often and it has probably been, I can't tell you when, since the last time I've seen this. I am not really a fan of it, but I will say that I watched it under a different point of view. Again, with the reviewer hat on, I still think that it did not, you know, it kind of fizzled a, a little bit at the end, but of course, um, we will get there. There were some cool things about it though, and there were some highlights that I th- had never picked up on before, and we'll get into those. But overall, it was just an enjoyable episode, but 
nothing to write home about per se. So guys, I have a question for you. And the first thing I want to bring up before we get back to Venice and into the past is in the present day of the story as it was happening. And I know we refer to this event in the state as a bachelor's party. Mm-hmm. Why do we call it, do either of you know why we call it a stag party in the UK? Yeah, I don't know the whole story, but I mean, a, a stag is a, it's a male deer. He's a, it's a buck. You know? Ah, well, that so kind of makes. Yeah. I know that, that the equivalent is a hen party. Ah, okay. Got you. Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting play on words and I was just yeah. curious. So what did you guys think about the doctor and a cake? One of the more creative entrances for the doctor. And we're still playing on this idea that he is um, uh, uh, very much the alien. And I, I liked all of that, that he, he, he understands 85% of human culture, but that last 15% will kill him. And he, he, so he doesn't understand why the guys at this party would not prefer to see him over the girl that he slept out on the sidewalk. <laughs> uh, and, and he just immediately puts his foot in his mouth talking uh, to Rory about uh, kissing Amy. So it's, it makes for an interesting um, teaser for the episode because instead of going to a cliffhanger or punchline, it just sort of trails off. <laughs> yeah. Saying, wow. Have you ever said, oh, yeah. So, and my understanding is that, the uh the scream isabella's scream when she sees the uh the vampire teeth and her and her, she's just been sold off you know uh that was supposed to be where the opening titles began interesting but beginning with rory and then having that little awkward moment and then having to transition into that that was even more awkward so they decided to cut those two things together and i think it works beautifully the isabella's scream cutting into rory's that's just that's just terrific as he's trying to to shout to Amy over the telephone. It's just I love it. So, Clarence, what were your thoughts about the doctor and the cake? And then let's <laughs> get into his proclamation after he gets out that I kissed Amy, which is his fiance. Yeah, uh, Lee had his, talked about exactly what I had written down. And my favorite part about this opening here was the transition with the scream. I just thought it was wonderful. <laughs> and, um, yeah, to see the doctor pop out of the cake. I mean, that's not, not what anybody wants, right? Well, some people might want it, but <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's not well, what it was not what they were intending. Yeah, not these guys. Yeah. And, um, yeah, your, your fiance is a great kisser. Yeah. Uh, you really going to say that again? Right. You know, uh, like Lee mentioned, awkward moment. Critics, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it definitely presented a a weird intro to the show. Here's here's my thought on it. I after you know remembering this scene that we saw that just stood out like a sore thumb with the kissing or trying to kiss. I had forgotten that they pretty much tried to start addressing it at the very beginning, and I think that this was an attempt by Moffat to distance the the relationship and maybe, and, and we may have said this in our last episode, and I just can't recall, but maybe it was an attempt to distance any type of potential romantic episodes by having this awkward moment, getting it out of the way, and just, quote unquote, dealing with it. It just didn't feel like they dealt with it well. Hmm. In my opinion. Well, I was struck this time, and I think I, if I'm remembering right, I, I, it's just backing up the feeling that I had the first time, was that um, we really haven't had a chance yet to see a lot of affection um, between Amy and Rory. And uh, we've experienced him as being kind of a, a goofball who is constantly you know, following in her trail. And then the next few episodes have been about her running away from marrying him. Mm-hmm. I think we've had the feeling that maybe what we're going to find out is that she doesn't like him. Um, she's she's kind of trying to come to come to grips with that. Um, and and so I think one of the things that I really like about this episode is how it, it does really put that to rest. This is this is her man, but, and I don't know that 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 thing that happened. I guess moments ago in, uh, in the Doctor and Amy's time, that was um, that was something else. And um, so, you know, you know, I want to segue and let Clarence give his opinion, but mm-hmm. I want to 
add a tag on to this, which is at this point, how does Rory's story differ from Mickey Smith? And Clarence, I'll let you take hmm. that one away. Does it, you know, if we look at Rory, not where we know Rory ended up, but where Rory is now and everything that Lee just said, how does his story differ or does it differ from Mickey? Uh, I think it does. I think it's hugely different. I think the fact that, you know, these two, um, Amy and Rory, they're about to get married. And I feel like in part what Amy may be experiencing is that, you know, this is a huge, as anybody would, you know, this is a huge life change. And, you know, who knows why, why she kind of went after the doctor there, but, but certainly that's a huge life change and change and that can lead people to do things out of the ordinary. Now, as for Mickey, I never, even though I, I liked him and Rose, I never really believed from the beginning that their relationship was all that solid. <laughs> you know, I, you know, they were together, but it seemed like there was a, a lot of distance between them and they kind of grew together as the series went on. As you know, uh, what I feel like in this episode is that uh, we get to see Amy and Rory kind of reconnect. And I very much enjoy that. You know, she just had a I'm not going to say didn't went crazy or something. She's just she's just, you know, it's cold, you, cold feet. You're about to. Yeah. This is a life thing. <laughs> that, that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of life, I want to comment on something that the doctor and we're st- keeping on this same topic that we're talking about. But I want to make a comment of something that the doctor said, because this is one of the things that kind of really stood out to me in this episode. And it's where the doctor says right after they're all three in the TARDIS, he says, oh, the the life out there, it dazzles. I mean, it Mm -hmm. blinds you to the things that are important. I've seen it devour relationships and plans. It's meant Mm -hmm. to do that. Because for one person to have seen all that, to taste the glory and then go back, it will tear you apart. So I'm sending you somewhere together. And of course, then, you know, this is this trip that they went on. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that and that's what made me then write down the question that I just asked the two of you about, you know, Rory and Mickey's. Because Mickey didn't get that. She went off and she did all those things and they went further and further and further apart. And I think this is where that trajectory with with Rory is so changed is mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Come on, joining, you know, be a part yeah, of this. Agreed. Mm-hmm. It does feel like in canon, what's happened is that the doctor has learned from uh, Rose and Mickey. And, uh, you know, it, not, it doesn't feel like that was a mistake per, per se, but would perhaps do it differently this time. And here we are. Now it's this time. It is. It's a wise little speech that he makes, and it almost gets lost because um, the camera's wheeling around inside the TARDIS, and we're we're looking at Rory's face, and we're waiting to see if he's going to say it's bigger on the inside. And what did you guys think of the fact that he did not say it's bigger on the inside? So much to the point to that the doctor is saying, <laughs> "I was, you know, disappointed." He's disappointed. Yeah. I so, like the bit when somebody says it's bigger on the inside. I always look forward to that. So what did you guys think about him not asking that question? I mean, for for me, what I loved about it is the fact that Roy is kind of like a little nerd. He's been researching yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and coming up with theories and all this other stuff. So he he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's kind of like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I loved all of that. Yeah. I, I'm always happy when, when somebody doesn't just say it's bigger on the inside uh, for whatever reason, you know. I think it's um, is it Sergeant Benton? Uh, but one of the unit guys, uh, when he gets inside for the first time, he says, "Yeah, I always thought it would be had to be something like this, <laughs> you know." And you're yeah. like, "Oh, good for you." <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and I'll add to that scene, um, Lee. I think you talked about this a few episodes back of how the glass floor on the console room and mm. how we get to get up under there and tinker around. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that looks so great. So speaking of that and get, being able to get up under there and everything, you know, I had forgotten how cluttered that original version of Matt Smith's TARDIS was. I, I know it's whimsical and all of that, and I get that, and it's cool. I get all of that. But I think that makes me feel like I was a little hard 
on the 13th Doctor's TARDIS interior. Because if you really think about that console area, yes, you've got all that up around it that they really kind of never go to. Mm-hmm. There, That console wasn't that big either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they made it vertical. They gave it verticality, and that's that's yeah. what I like about it. You have stairs to go up. You can go down under. So I mm-hmm. thought that that makes it feel a little bit bigger than, than it would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. All right. Well, one last thing I want to say before we move on. I want to agree with what you guys said about Rory and his comments about being in the TARDIS and everything. I think it was a wise decision by Moffat to have him have that geek out moment and have him do that research because knowing where the character winds up, I think that was Moffat establishing that he is of himself 98% as much important as Amy is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always go- that other two percent is going to be. He's always, no matter what he does, he's always going to be Mister Pond. But mm-hmm. for ninety-eight percent, he's just as important. He's he's a package deal, and I don't think we saw that and realized it at the beginning, of course, because we didn't know what the future held. But going back in hindsight, I think that was a very wise decision to make him stand on his own and not be. A bumbling idiot. Mm-hmm. And and even the the sword fight business, which is played entirely for laughs here, uh, he we we have to be aware of the fact that on the one hand he is falling apart at it the way any ordinary person would, and not somebody in a superhero movie, right? Uh, and, and so it's funny, but he also got in there and engaged this vampire in an attempt to save Amy, and her <laughs> reaction to that is she got it. She knew she she wasn't embarrassed by his inability to fence with the fencing master. She she saw that for what it was. She was enamored by it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a tip, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're encountered by a vampire. Exactly. So talk about the vampire's mother. Yeah, exactly. Your lady will love it. You talk about my mama. Talk about my mama. <laughs> so but before we start talking about vampires and mothers, I do have yes. one last thing before we move on, because I just think it would be appropriate to talk about it here. What about that conversation that Rory and the doctor had when they get to Venice and where he basically kind of stands up to the doctor and tells him what's what? So, Clarence, why don't you take that one first? What did you think about this moment and this convo between the two. Mm, you're going to help me out here. <laughs> exactly so he tells the doctor, you, you know, what's dangerous about you. It's not that you make, pe- it's, it's not that you make people take risks. It's that you, you make them want to impress you. You make it so that they don't want to let you down. You have no idea how dangerous you make people to themselves when you're around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I think that happens a little later on, but I know what you're talking about. And to me, that's is I kind of see it. You kind of see that with every companion. And this is definitely a true statement, Um, especially recently. You see these companions move closer to becoming Dr. Lights or Dr. Like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think just that's just a byproduct of being around a doctor. It gives you more. You know, if you played if you played on Team Michael Jordan, you're going to probably play better and want to be like him. So, you know, you're Scottie Pippen. (laughs) You're going to try to do the same things they do and have that same type of confidence And, and, and ultimately definitely putting the companion in danger, as you know, we see early on in the episode, Amy just just runs off to investigate, not even you know giving it a second thought. So yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a um, something that comes with being around a doctor, and you know maybe not a good thing, especially if you're the loved one looking at said person run off into <laughs> the dark. So I don't know. All right, Lee, what what to yeah. say you? It's really true. We 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 see a very deliberate progression in the story that um, once we learn that Isabella is uh, endangered, that Amy runs toward the danger. And then later on, when Guido is in danger, Rory, who has already criticized this behavior, does it himself. So, uh, you know, it's it's their first trip out together and they're already both running towards the danger, just like the doctor does. But um, watching it again, and and as you say, uh, watching it with the, with a critical eye, knowing that we're going to talk about it later. I love how insightful what Rory says is, you know, for all of us who are longtime fans of the show, we know he's exactly right. 
But this is his first trip out with the doctor. So it's a little like the point that Clarence brought up about the end of the beast below, you know, where Amy describes the doctor to a T and you kind of want to say, well, how did she get to that? I mean, she's right, but how, huh? It's just a, it's just a little supernatural that she could be that insightful. And so I felt the same way here that, wow, wow, Roy, he got to that in a hurry, didn't he? (laughs) Um, But Mm. he's not wrong. I have (laughs) an in canon explanation to your, to your comment. I like it already. So Amy's childhood best friend has, because she's told her uh, childhood best friend males about her raggedy doctor, her imaginary friend. And I'm sure as little girls would probably do as they're friends with each other, they've made up stories about the raggedy doctor and males probably made up stories about the raggedy doctor too. So maybe some of those stories might've come from males. Mm-hmm. Well, or even I think you can think of it from a purely Amy perspective. She's had confidence in this dude since she was a little girl. It's the drawings, the stories about him that, that nobody believed, but she, she's always had this confidence. Now I do agree. It's a bit of a um, weird thing for him to, uh, hit it so on the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess you could kind of say since he, yeah. they've known about the doctor a pretty long time, um, he could think that. Mm. I, 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 how about one more? The crack in the wall, she absorbed knowledge about the doctor <laughs> from the crack in the wall. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 the, the story does us a favor too by skipping over a period that we know has happened where they've brought Rory up to speed, right? I mean, when we f- first see Rory in that teaser, when he's at his stag party, he doesn't know that Amy has gone off with a time-traveling alien. Yeah. Oh, wait, d- does he? No, I, I'm forgetting about Prisoner Zero. Yeah. He does know. Okay. He does know about, but he doesn't, but but, but she just know left with him. Right. Right. But he and said, I'd have to back. Oh, the next day, they've been right? gone a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, they've been having adventures. So, yeah. So we have skipped over the part where they he digests all of that. But when we pick up on them, he's inside the TARDIS, and uh, he really looks like he's been punched in the stomach. So, uh, <laughs> I kind of think that's the moment after they told him, "Yeah, we've been gone for um, about uh, you know a couple of months." Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And we made out. Yeah. And, yeah. and we also kind of made out a little bit. But I'm still marrying you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Oh yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah. Well, maybe they, maybe they should have done like they would have done in the 400 years earlier in Venice and just put her into quarantine for 14 days and not let her go anywhere. There you go. <laughs> so barbaric. You guys brought that up a little bit earlier. I think Lee, I think you were the one that mentioned it. I, I, I just found that it was just eerie hearing them talk about quarantine and realizing that in 2020 we're sitting here talking and discussing reality in some of the same ways that they were referring to things that happened 400 years ago. Yeah. Cause I know people who, who are good. The hill they're going to die on is that COVID-19 is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, it's a phony. It's a fake. And it's a, it's a plot. It's a plot. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and, and in this episode, uh, the doctor quickly susses out that he, they says, well, it's the plague. It's everywhere, but in Venice. And he says, well, I think the plague ended about a hundred years ago. So what's really going on here? So yeah, their, their, their plague actually is a lie. So, yeah. All right. So let's get into, well, well, actually one more thing before we move on. And this is something that I had written down for Clarence. Clarence, you mentioned in episode 205 when we reviewed the time of angels that you liked the visual scale of these episodes that we were seeing. Since this is the next story past that, I'm curious, in your opinion, do the visuals continue? Are you still seeing that production standard that you were impressed by? Or do you think it's back to what it was? I mean, always seem most of the time you go back in the past is going to be a little scaled down. Uh, I think, and I don't want to get to the, get ahead of us, but I felt like all of production values, even though we're in the past and it's very subdued, it, it still felt great. Um, and that's, you know, from the camera work, everything felt great. I didn't particularly like the 
climbing at the end. I thought that just looks dated. <laughs> but other than that, I thought everything um, kept the uh, the energy that it had before as far as production. All righty. Lee, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I was I was quite impressed um, this far out by the uh, the true form of the vampires. I, don't know, I, I quite enjoyed the look of that visual. And I know how, how expensive that stuff is, how time consuming and um, a lot of the stuff happening with the sky over Venice. Well, and the fact that we're, we're filming in Croatia. So I don't know how much huh. of I don't know how much of the canals are CG or what. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, this is not in Venice. But it sure looks like it. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Oh. So you talked about the vampires, and let's talk briefly mm-hmm. about the Calaveri family. The mother mm-hmm. and son, Rosanna and Francesco, or however you pronounce them. Uh-huh. What do you think of them? And Lee, why don't you take this one first? What did you think of the mother and son? I really appreciated her performance, this actress. Um I would just, um, that first scene is almost entirely on her face as Guido is waiting breathlessly for her reaction. And she does this tiny smile, you know, and, and he begins to smile because he knows that that's good. That's good. You know, it's, it's, it's all so, so nuanced for her playing kind of a melodrama villain. She's really, uh, it's, I think it's just, uh, just, uh, delightful. And, and I think, you know, to jump ahead that we do, uh, we do feel for her in the end, don't we? Mm. Yeah, you know, hold that thought, Will. Yeah. So, Clarence, I, I just want to get an overview from you. What did you think of the mother and son? I thought both of them paired together worked really well. I think if I had to pick one of the two, the son gave me that extra bit of creep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought the performance was was really well on this end. Again, we talked about the fight a minute ago, but I thought the fight was wonderful in itself. And I don't know. Um, I like the interactions he had with Amy as well. I thought them going back and forth a little bit and how she kind of called him in the alley uh, was was pretty cool as well. So, um, yeah, I thought the son gave excellent performance and, and the mother as well. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. And I'll take that one step further. The mother had that period look. She she fit the look that they were trying to achieve. And I think, yes, she was a actress that above you know actor above par she did all of her lines perfectly but i think what i really liked about the son was that level of creepiness that you just identified because it reminded me of the family of blood a little mm-hmm. you know that that dynamic of the you know he kept calling her mother and you know this uh, there you knew there was something creepy and the obviously there was and they they were just both creepy but yes he he sold the creepy factor a little bit better to me than she did she was still exceptional but i just think for as far as creepy goes she you know was not quite as creepy as he was yeah and i think the only thing was missing was that they weren't glittering you know uh us uh are we used to vamp our vampires glittering, glittering. these days yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of vampires and glitter or not, va- what did you think <laughs> of the vampires not really being vampires? They were, in fact, aliens with a uh, perception filter device. What did you think of that? I, I, I always love it when uh, the either the perception filter is, you know, doesn't do its job. You have these certain aliens that can look past it. Uh, and, and I always love it when that happens. And we see these aliens using a similar device on themselves. And the, the doctor makes a statement if they're pretending to be vampires, what are they really underneath? And and like Lee just mentioned, seeing the true form was ooh, uh, another uh, uh, nod to how well the CG was done because um, they looked fantastic, I thought. So, yeah, I thought all that was good as far as the perception filter and how they can see through it. We got an, an awesome moment of when the doctor goes to show it to the sisters in the mirror, the mirror place, the mirror hall. Mm-hmm. And, and we get to see a cool picture of a certain other doctor. Yes. <laughs> on there. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> how long has he had that library card? <laughs> yes. A long time. <laughs> long time. So Lee, what did you think about the concept of vampires? Not really vampires. Well, it's more interesting, isn't it? If they had just been, 
sort of, you know, as, as per Bram Stoker <laughs> vampires. Um, <laughs> but uh, a lot more fun to have there be a pseudo scientific explanation for why you can't, he couldn't see them in the mirror. The sunlight thing, not so much, but, uh, yeah. you know, um, I was glad of it anyway, because, um, it gives Amy a great moment with her little compact. So, yes, yes. It's, it's always been my problem with this uh, idea of uh, vampires being disintegrated by the sunlight, but, uh, which doesn't come from, uh, Dracula, by the way, but from, uh, Nosferatu. Mm. But so that, that film sort of invents that, that idea, but yeah, wouldn't that happen kind of a lot? Yeah. I could have sworn they were outside before the end. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's just not consistent. It's really hard to keep that consistent. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I did like the idea of the perception filter. Honestly, I like the fact, and when they said it was perception filter, and you realize that this headpiece or this whatever she was wearing, or it looked like she was wearing, was not really a whatever it looked like she was wearing, but it was actually the way the scales or whatever on her neck and shoulders looked. And I thought that was like pure brilliance of Mm -hmm. making the look of the alien match the period piece that they had the actor in. I thought that was really, really, really well done. Yeah. It's, it's lovely integration of, of all the designs of the show. And it, it sort of illustrates why you have a team of designers. Somebody's going to do this, uh, these designs and animatics and this animation for this character. But somebody else is meanwhile going to be designing and building this costume. You get those people working together yeah. and you can, and these kinds of things happen. Um, I, I was intrigued. I hadn't thought about it, but, um, a, a commenter on, on the web pointed out that, uh, it's so beautiful that her costume is clearly part of the perception filter, that, that that's part of what she really looks like leaking through, right? But then at the end, when she's going to offer herself to her children, for heaven's sake, she takes part, she takes off her gown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was it. Which sort of makes yeah. us wonder, well, how, how is she even doing that? Yeah, I totally did not understand the ending yeah. at all. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Um, uh, yeah. well, at least, the, you know, thinking about her perception filter, at least we saw her. She wasn't invisible and scaring us whenever she popped up. So that was a good thing. True. Uh, yes. Unlike her children. Yeah. Unless, unlike her children. I want to make a real quick comment on the library card that you guys brought up. Yeah. I love the fact, this is one of the things that Moffat starts doing, and I hope this is a good side of the fence, but, uh, I love the fact that before this, apart from seeing the faces that we saw in the next doctor. And then again, we saw the faces in the 11th hour. This was the first direct reference to an earlier incarnation of the doctor in a doctor who proper episode that we, you know, saw, we, we heard references, but we never saw, you know, like a picture of a previous doctor other than those two other two instances. And I thought that Mm -hmm. was really, really interesting. But I have a trivia question for you guys. I did mention the next doctor seeing faces of the previous doctors. Mm-hmm. And I said the 11th hour, of course, you know, we see the faces at the end. What other inclusion other than those two in New Who oh. of an earlier doctor exists? I was going to say Brain of Morbius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in New Who. Yeah. So we've you seen mean- a reference. We've seen direct reference mm-hmm. to an earlier incarnation of the Doctor and the next Doctor and the Eleventh Hour. What other inclusion of an earlier Doctor exists? Before Vampires of Venice. Before Vampires of Venice, but after Rose. Yeah. Boy. Mm. You right, got t- me. All right. So I will tell you at the end but yeah. and remind me, but I'll say again this is the first direct reference to an mm-hmm. earlier incarnation of the doctor and, uh, you know, like a face of a, of a previous doctor other than those two things. My question mm. though is what other inclusion of an earlier doctor exists? Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll come back to that in at the end because it is a trick question. All right. Let's talk a bit about really quick because I uh, know our time is getting upon us. We talked about, and I think you say the father's name. Is it? How do you pronounce the father's name? Someone. It, it's D. 
Is Guido, yeah. Guido, okay. And Isabella. I can pronounce yeah. Isabella. Guido okay. And Isabella. Lee, I want to begin with a, this brief discussion with an article that you mentioned uncovering the African presence in medieval Europe. And we, you mentioned this as we prepared for our review. Really briefly, I know it's been a couple of yeah. years maybe since you read this or unless you re- recently reread it. Can you just enlighten us on that article really quick? And I'll include it in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, it's pretty easy. And what what I've read since then is other articles related to it. But um, a lot of us uh, white people like me have grown up with this idea that everybody in Europe uh, has always been white. And so when we see people of color in the background on shows like uh, we, we, uh, we did this in um, The Shakespeare Code. And a lot of people are going, wow, it's 17th century London. I don't think so. Um, and and then here we have this uh, this black couple, uh, father and daughter. And I think a lot of people would say, well, this is you. You know how, how lefty Doctor Who is. I mean, they're, they're trying to, you know, give us a deliberately diverse cast, even though that makes no historical sense. It actually does make historical sense. And it's something that uh, historians are really starting to tumble to now that our idea of what it meant to be black is something that may be really um, badly understood throughout uh, European history. And we're really starting to get a better better picture of it now did uh, did uh people like uh the this wealthy family would they have actually had black slaves yeah but there were also uh, black free people who would have been living in venice too and that's just not something that you know you don't see that depicted in in art you don't see it in the movies you know i grew up with movies where you could always tell the uh the romans because they have british accents hmm. You know, <laughs> even though that doesn't make any sense either, but yeah, you know, so we, so we, 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 we accept those conventions, but, uh, here is Dr. Who not, uh, not playing with the conventions a la Hamilton, <laughs> but, uh, with, um, but by telling the truth, it's, it's, it's fun. All right. Awesome. So I also found it interesting in regards to the father and the daughter. I found this interesting because they made reference to families changing houses and even religions for the chance to get their child in a certain school. And Clarence, this reminded me of hearing others talk in present day about doing similar things, whether it's, you know, getting in a private school or whether it's getting in a better school district that has more opportunities, et cetera, and so forth. What were your thoughts or did you have any opinions, thoughts uh, on the concept of what this father's decision to basically leave his daughter for this chance to go to the school? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about with your kids wanting them to have a better life than you. And I think that's kind of what's going on here and trying to give her the best chance of getting a great start. But um, as we saw in the episode, as soon as the door is almost shut, he he knows he's made a grave error, a grave mistake. So I believe as far as how it relates to the story, I think it was a wonderful setup of, you know, setting up him trying to seek her out throughout the rest of the episode. And ultimately what happens to her is, is pretty sad. Yeah, it is. And I liked yeah. what I really, really liked about him was, yes, he was a victim of the, that situation that, that he had no idea that, you know, I'm handing her over to aliens. I mean, he would have no <laughs> concept of that, obviously, but they played him in my opinion as a strong character who realized I made this mistake and was doing everything within his power to try to rectify it. He, he, the actor portrayed that character, in my opinion, as both vulnerable and with a little bit of desperation, obviously, but mm-hmm. the, but he played it with a strength. And I think that that was a, and I, and I don't know where that strength, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. But I think whatever decisions that actor took in making that role come alive, he, in my opinion, checked all the right boxes. Yeah, I think he's just terrific. And and in reading about the episode today, seeing what other people were saying about it, they kept talking about Guido as being tragic, which Mm. is that's definitely true. But I, I experienced him as heroic. I just think Guido is absolutely one of the heroes of this story. Mm. And. And that may be my bias as a father who would do anything for his kids. 
And that's that's all that, that that's his storyline throughout. I will do anything. Yeah. You know, and then when he learns his daughter is gone, well, his life is over. I'm taking these ladies with me. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. it's I really because I felt that so strongly. And I think you're right. His performance is a great deal of it. That actor's performance. I really wanted that explosion to be bigger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We we get we get to see him team up with with Doctor and crew, which I thought were some of the best moments of the episode uh, that I'll talk about a little bit later. But but yeah, him teaming up with uh, Amy Roy and the Doctor, I thought was really fun. And you know, even though he's desperate to figure out what's happened to his daughter, he's willing to to jump on board and. Assimilate to the TARDIS crew, to, <laughs> even when Rory is being forced to shush him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so great, so great. So your point that you were going to bring up, you know, I think go ahead and bring it up because I think this would be a perfect time. No, well, well, one of them is my favorite moment, so I'll, I'll oh, say oh, it. Okay, got you, got you, got you, got you. <laughs> Unless someone else brings it up. <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome, awesome. The next thing that I want to mention is something that we hit on at the very beginning or somewhere close to the beginning. And I said, let's hold it to the end. This concept of single city versus the fate of an entire civilization. And I have a question written down, which is, were they bad? And so I want to pose that question to you guys. Were they bad? Hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to define bad. Okay. And I think my favorite quote will define bad <laughs> because the doctor defined it. So Clarence, did you think they were bad? Uh, des- well, I'll say this before I will ultimately tell you they're bad. Uh, desperate times calls for desperate measures. And I think, do think, uh, their story is sympathetic once we hear about why they were on the run and why they were there in that city. But ultimately, even even if a wrong has been done to you, it really doesn't justify you doing a wrong to someone else. So that's where I have to say they are bad, even though their story is they're trying to survive as a species. Yeah, I don't know what their morals are. I guess they're bad. <laughs> but, but well spoken, sir. Well, because I, I think that's that has to be our definition. It's as people, yes, but also as as fans of this show, that seems to be the the standard that the doctor lives by. It's it's also the prime directive for them. You know, that's <laughs> another. Yeah, I mean, we 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 have in our culture, we have um, excused all kinds of things by saying, "Hey, we're just trying to get by. Hey, we're just you know." Yeah, well, look what you did to these other people while you were trying to get by. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and you, you, you hit it because, you know, the doctor is feeling all sympathetic. And then he gets to this point where he says, you know, he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And he says, and you know why? You didn't know Isabella's name. You yeah. didn't know Isabella's name. That's right. He, he, it was so, you know, he played that point home by it's stating that line, that line twice. You didn't yeah. know her name. Because she doesn't matter to you. Correct. Yep. Correct. So if that that answer then becomes yes, they were bad. Yeah, they are. I mean, we still understand why it's heartbreaking that, I mean, she's saying this is the end of her race. So apparently this is all there are of them. Now, what happens to all of the, the males in the canals in Venice? I, I don't know. Maybe they're still there and we'll... Yeah, so so I'm assuming my logic was that they died out by not being able to, you know, procreate or whatever. Well, I guess yeah, that's but, right. But I wanted the, them to go away at the end of the episode, but you're right; they're they're not going to live. Uh, but but the whole so, idea yeah. that that kept popping into my head was ooh, whenever it was, you had about what eight brides. Mm-hmm. So this is like I'm going to be corny here. Instead yeah. of seven brides for seven brothers, <laughs> this is seven brides for ten thousand husbands. Yes, but you know, it's you know, in in the uh, in the great world of nature, that's um, very often how we do things. But yeah. yeah, for us as humans, ew, ew, yeah. You guys mentioned the mother committing suicide, so. Am I, tell me if I'm understanding this correct. She basically jumps into the water with her children and they eat her. I think, she her. Becomes, I think she becomes fish food. Yeah. Okay. Let me say it one more time. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So one. La- <laughs> and, 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 and it does raise an interesting question, doesn't it? As a lot of uh, yeah, suicide what? depictions Ooh. on, uh, 
on the screen uh, often do. It's like if if your goal was to kill yourself, this was your this was option number one. <laughs> uh, I can think of a lot of less <laughs> unpleasant ways to go. <laughs> yeah. Being mm. eaten alive by your children. But, you know, you be you. you but maybe her maternal <laughs> instinct said, I'll give my children one. I gave my children all of me, literally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that has to be it, right? And, and but, isn't uh, there animal yeah. kingdom, you know, like animal species where the, the mother eats the child or the child eats the mother? And Yeah. I think, I think in the insect world, that's not uncommon at all. Yeah. yeah. And they did look insectious a little bit, mm-hmm. even though they were fishy. But anyway. All right, so I have one more thing before I get to the anything else question. And mm. they made reference to the sound of silence. You know, they, 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 mm-hmm. th- we were starting to hear the silence mentioned. At this point, not saying what we know later, do mm. we think the silence is literally silence, as in the sound, the absence of sound? Huh. Yeah, it's just a device to get us to, to talking about the word silence, but yeah, what, what, what is, what is actually happening in that moment, the episode, I couldn't tell you. Well, see, I, you know, they, because there's that, you know, right before they go into the TARDIS and he turns around and it's like, everything yeah. went silent for yeah. a moment mm-hmm. and et cetera and so forth. But if you go back and you listen to her comment, her being the mother's comment when she's talking about, and she said, we saw the silence. Well, how can you see the absence of sound? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Moffitt so uh, is, a, a ma- yes, a major hint has been dropped. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, my question before we get into favorite quote, favorite scene, and final rating: anything else from either of you that we have not covered that you want to bring up? Nothing else jumps to my mind. Oh, uh, throwaway joke that uh, uh, I'm sure people uh, in the UK got a lot more than we did. But uh, the doctor checks his dates uh, since he's in Venice to make sure that he isn't going to run into uh, Casanova. <laughs> That's good. That's Only good. funny because there had just been the Casanova series starring <laughs> – David Tennant. Yeah. So that's why he doesn't want to run into Casanova. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'll just add, like, again, I'll mention, I I didn't like the tower scene at the end when the doctor said, let's break some ish. (laughs) I thought it, it just fell flat for me ultimately. Um, And I, but I loved, I was, I loved the doctor's light uh, tube thingy. I want one of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's apparently as is self powered. That's yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, I kind of I kinda, I like that too, and I like the visual that it that it did. So that yeah, I like that too. That light thing does point to one of the two penis jokes for for Rory in the episode, and which I remember making me kind of uncomfortable back then, and 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 they kind of did again today. It was like, uh, boy, I'm glad I know now what I know is that we're not going to keep this up. So, so I didn't catch that. Neither did I. Well, his, well, Rory's got his torch, and the doctor pulls out this great thing, and, and uh, uh, Rory says, yours is bigger than mine. And the doctor <laughs> says, let's not go there. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> and, and when uh, he looks at the psychic paper, he finally sees that uh, it's, he says to Amy, this says I'm your eunuch. Oh, oh. oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So it just it it seemed to me like the 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 beating the the hitting Rory below the belt uh, <laughs> seemed like it. There's a point at which I want to say, oh, that's enough. All right, we've already told him that the doctor's already made out with his bride to be. We've already busted up his snag party. We've already, you know, uh, just. <sighs> Yeah, let's let's let Roy play the brother. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Now wait a minute. Why does it make sense for me to be the brother? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, oh, in man. that conversation, to be fair, she uh, the doctor says, "I'll tell them I'm your father," and she says, "You, you look like you're about nine. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. good. That was good. So yeah, they 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 uh, didn't end up on Roy the whole episode. No, he, so he I, had to I earn think his that's respect. It. I, I I don't I don't I don't mind a penis joke. Per, you know, qua penis joke. It's just, it, it just, when we, when we actually did go there, I was just like, really? <laughs> Can we give this dude a break? Oh, See, man. I think it was much, much better done a couple of seasons later when 
he literally did run into Casanova on a certain day of a doctor <laughs> and where they are comparing screwdrivers. That's true. You know, yeah, and they said, the joke again, you know, regeneration's yeah. a lottery or something to like <laughs> that, like that. But, but, right. but considering the concept of what you were playing against, it was funny to me because right. different right. regenerations, yeah. some are taller, some are not and yeah. take it from there. And they're the same person. And they're the same person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Man, you so. really had the feel for Rory, though. I mean, his, his, his girl has run off with the rock star. They went to, you know, from the small town to the big city, played a few shows and come back. Yeah. And now he's told you he's kissed your girl, but <laughs> that you could come along on the next trip. What? Right. <laughs> oh, thanks. May I? Yeah. Looking forward to this. Yeah. I just, yeah. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, mm. you know, we see this relationship at this point, and And it's been a while since I've gone back to Series 5. It's not one of those, you know, there are certain episodes in Series 5 that I go back to more than others. But for the River. most part, how, what now? That's it, River. Yeah. but for the, <laughs> and, and 11th Hour. But for the most part, the others, I don't. But it's like when we get to Series 6, this relationship that we see ingredients and being put in the oven and baking in this series that we're watching now, next series that comes along, it's baked and done and is, yeah. is there. There's no ifing, anding, or butting about it. Right. And I think that's cool. Yeah. The All ground right. is being laid here. Yes, it is. And the ground is being laid for our favorite quote. And I will start it by saying what I said just a moment ago. And you know why? You didn't know Isabella's name. Mm. You didn't know Isabella's name. All right. Favorite quote. Clarence Brown, what's your favorite quote? <sighs> do you really want to do this now? <laughs> I'd really like to know. I'm getting married in 430 years. <laughs> thought that was great. Very cool. I love the time <laughs> stuff. It's the second time they've done it where they've used the time to, although they've traveled in time, they've used their real time uh, difference in a statement. I, I love I love when they do that. Yeah. It's, it's great. All right. Lee Shackelford. Well, that was mine, too. Uh, <laughs> so I'll go for a runner up, which may be the doctor being a smart aleck, and it may be uh, him misunderstanding the language we don't know uh we survived and in the reef relief of it so she kissed me and you kissed her back no i kissed her mouth oh very funny <laughs> oh boy oh man <laughs> i think it was just this version of the doctors being so childlike and naive mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I, yeah I don't think he means any harm by that. He's not trying to rub it in, but he just keeps doing it. Yes. <laughs> that didn't come out right. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> All right, favorite scene. And Clarence, why don't you start? What was your favorite scene? Oh man, so much joy in seeing Guido wear Roy's Roy's shirt um when they switch clothes. I thought that was so hilarious and great to see this guy in Roy's, his love shirt, his, his bachelor mm. party shirt. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that scene. It's great. All right. Lee, what say you? I love the sword fight as long as it includes that big kiss at the end. And her response to the kiss, too. Yeah. You've um, earned her back, man. Yep. I mean, it really, it really, it does make up for all the abuse that Rory takes in this episode. And uh, I just love that. So, yeah, favorite scene. Okay. So my favorite scene is right before they, being de the Doctor and Rory, go into the TARDIS, and they refer to themselves for the first time, and it goes into this uh, baking that I'm talking about that, that I say solidified, when they refer to themselves as Amy's boys. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. this, I love the camaraderie between these three. And I'm really understanding by going and watching these, why our friend Seska says loved that combo of the three of them so very much because I just, I, I love the dynamic between Arthur Darville, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. They, they nailed it for me. And I just really, really liked that. And this is one of the first times you kind of start seeing that start to gel. And so that's my favorite. All right, final rating. And since I don't remember who started last, I will start off my final rating by saying, Kyle, what do you think? And Kyle's going to say, <laughs> um, you know, Kyle, I think I will give it 
3.75. It had some things that just made me not want to go back and watch it over and over and over. I liked it better than I think that I might like some of the next ones that are coming up, but it's not one that I'm going to run out and recommend somebody go watch anytime soon. So mm. enjoyable. I had fun. 3.75 fishes out of water. So, <laughs> right. And since I don't remember guys have at it, what did you think? <laughs> what was your final rating? Go for it. I'm going to give it four barrels of gunpowder. All righty. Clarence Brown. And I will give it four lightsaber looking thingies, whatever they yeah. called it. <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Good deal. So that was fun. That was fun. And I want to revisit really quick the trivia question that I said I would go back and answer. Yeah. So when I was giving the trivia question a little earlier, I kept focusing on two words. I said, this is the first direct reference to an earlier incarnation in a Doctor Who proper episode or episode proper. But my trivia question was, what other inclusion of an earlier Doctor exists? And by inclusion and focusing on that, I was trying to hint at Time Crash with, you know, the fifth Doctor. Uh, I really thought you were going for the wardrobe in uh, uh, Runaway Bride. And I wanted to say, you know, a lot of people claim that they see the other doctor's costumes in there, but I have that image as a freeze frame and uh, they're not in there. Or there it, are things that look like them, but they're not in there. Or it may just be um, another reason why I've been told before, stay away from comedy because you're not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that leaves me with one final question other than saying I had so much fun as I always do doing this with the two of you. So that leaves me with one final question. Lee Shackelford, where else might you be found on the Internet? Well, I teach classes on the Internet and um, people can find me there, including my student and friend William Hughes, who I learned today is listening to the show. So I just wanted to shout out and say uh, uh and hello to Mr. Hughes. And people should listen to our sci-fi drama podcast, Relativity, which is returning to the airwaves for its final 10 episodes right about now. Relativity? At relativitypodcast.com. Awesome. Right. Clarence Brown, where else might you be found on the Internet? Uh, believe it or not, you can find me on Relativity too. So That's true. <laughs> I'm going to second that. If you haven't jumped the board, uh, now is the time. Final episodes are coming out, are out right now, probably when this comes out. So yeah, yeah definitely check out the Relativity podcast with some of Clarence's best stuff. Coming. Yes. Oh, thank yeah. you, sir. Absolutely. And considering the fact that I have been binging and, and you can also find me and some of, and I, and you know what? I'm getting old because I had forgotten that I was in like so many of the early episodes mm -hmm. of relativity that I had forgotten about until I re listened to them again, yeah, which was really that, part cool. Part of that crowded room. Yeah. Yes. So if you would like to find also me on a show called relativity, just check out relativitypodcast.com because in case you didn't know the final 10 episodes are even as we speak, as you're listening, at least one or two of the final 10 episodes might already be available. Hmm. So it's binge worthy only just, what is it? Five seasons? Yeah. Well, five ish, five ish. Just yeah. just like the five-ish doctor, exactly. we have five-ish yeah. uh, seasons. seasons. So just go to relativitypodcast.com. And always, you can find all of us on other shows that we do at discussingnetwork.com. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. <laughs>